0: Ladies and gentlemen of the Lightweights Podcast, welcome to the great episode with Wells Adams. What's up? Thanks for being here.
1: Of course. Why we, is it called the Lightweights? Because I feel like, okay, this is this is my perception of it, okay? Please. So I feel like if you had heavyweights, it would be like, like A-list, like Jen Aniston, <laughs> Leo <laughs> no, no, DiCaprio, and the Lightweights <laughs> are like, all right, let's get like people who are on the (laughs) fringe of celebrity no 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 no. okay it's because
0: i can't handle my alcohol
1: oh i black out real quick do you still drink
0: no i'm for occasion yeah but it's like a three-day event because i have to drink and then recover and then recover a second day yeah so it's, it's just i try not to yeah unless it's like a good event
1: i know that's the problem yeah i'm i'm the same way i'm a cheap drunk but i'm a really here's the problem I might have a, like an actual like drinking issue, but I'm such a f- like fun and happy drunk that Same. Me, no one's ever been like, dude, you need to cool it. Yeah, and even times when I do black out, um, I'll be like to my wife, I'll be like, was I bad? And she'd be like. You're the life of the party. Everyone loves you. Like you have nothing to be nervous about. You like, make new friends. Yeah. You find out the next day you're like, who did I talk yeah, to? Yeah. Like I have no recollection of that person. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm the same way. I but I. So here's the thing. I, this is what I do. I grant myself like one night a week of like, I can go out and like have a couple glasses. Other than that, like I try to keep it cool.
0: Oh, I need to do that.
1: Which is ironic because I my job is to get people drunk on a TV show. A bartender. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot in common as well. Okay. You met your wife through Instagram DMs,
0: correct? Yeah. yeah. So did I. Really? Uh, you asked for the family's blessing. So did I. Nice. That's common. You got married on August 20th, 2022. Yeah. I got married August twentieth,
1: twenty twenty three. Really, one year apart. Wow, we had the same anniversary. Did you just celebrate your anniversary?
0: Yeah. Would you guys uh, do? No,
1: <laughs> <we> actually, didn't. <laughs> I mean, we did. We didn't. Um, we. Uh, she was in in Fiji filming Love Island, and I wasn't there. Like, I I came out and visited her like the first week of the show. No, 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 no. She did two stints. So, like, the second stint when she went back, I was there the first week of it. So, I had to come back home for, like, other stuff. And, yeah, we were not together on our anniversary. <laughs> but she's made some cockamamie plan that we're going to have our anniversary now in October because that was, like, our um, deciding-to-be-boyfriend-girlfriend anniversary. So I still got to get like a gift and do like romantic stuff.
0: Do you have an idea of what you're going to do?
1: Well, the first one's paper.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I got to get into that stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I mean, I think it's a good way of, I-, I like, I like that paper is the first one because it's like, we know you're broke. <laughs> so write a letter, yeah. you know, like <laughs> something heartfelt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, we're, we're not <laughs> broke, but like that wedding killed us. Like we will never financially recover from that thing. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so I was, I was thinking, how, like there was a there was a time which I was like maybe like a signed first edition of a book or like you know something really cool like that. Yeah, but those are expensive. <laughs> I've come to find that that's also expensive.
0: Yeah, I had a Harry Potter first edition really? that my dad gave me, and at the end of high school and the summer came, I left it in my locker because yeah. like I don't read anyway, and I the janitor took it. He went oh. back to the school to try and get it can't find it anymore, so I have to try and buy him a new one. Cost a fortune. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That janitor no longer works there. He's now, <laughs> living off he, that book sale. He's now in Boca Vista, <laughs> living high in the hog. You know, uh, speaking of that, uh, Sarah's dad, Ed, who's an actor, a great one at that, is Dumbledore on um, Broadway. Oh, really? Yeah, in The Cursed Child, which if you haven't seen that uh, – go like run don't walk it's so freaking good are you a big broadway guy i wasn't until i'm like it's like sexually transmitted broadway guy now because my wife like started in broadway and so she loves it so much and i like you know i I was a radio host and so that meant i went to a lot of shows a lot of concerts and stuff and i was a big music guy um but i do love the act of performing in front of people that the Uh, the tangible experience of seeing someone create art is very, very cool to me. Um, More so than like watching something on TV or uh, watching a movie because like that happened years ago and it's been cut and, you know, snipped to shreds and seeing someone have to do it in front of you, I think is, uh, is a more beautiful and like, almost like a religious experience. But anyways, uh, her dad is Dumbledore. He plays a couple different roles, Um, He plays Cedric Diggory's dad, which is actually a more important role, which is a weird thing to say uh, when it comes to Harry Potter. But it's so cool because obviously there's a lot of magic. And so on stage, you get to do a lot of stage magic, which is so cool because that's how, you know, whenever you see magic, you you see watch Harry Potter on film you're like okay it's cgi or whatnot but like seeing it done in front of you like people disappearing and like you know uh optical illusions and stuff you're like oh how do they do that that you must know? be a cool one to see live it's it's a beautiful show yeah. like, seriously go see it so
0: speaking of the art you transition from radio dj directly to uh cast member on a reality show
1: yeah, I, and I continued being a radio host uh, even after I went on the reality show.
0: Was that hard from going inside a booth to performing in front of not performing, but being in front of cameras, trying to put your yourself out
1: there? Not really. Um, I th- I had a leg up, I think, in comparison to everybody else because I lived this world of constantly self editing. You know, like I was always worried. You know when i was doing my radio shows that the fcc would come in and say like you said like x y and z you know so i was always super nervous about getting fired really so going on a show where you like you really have to worry about what you say and how you say it and how it's going to be perceived for me i was like this is easy like especially when you have to go into what we call itms or in the moment interviews like it was very easy for me to kind of explain how i felt and what i was what was going on knowing also a little bit of like, I think the storyline is, is that guy's the bad guy. So do I want to be the guy that piles onto that guy? Probably not. Like, um, and I think pretty early on in my experience on the bachelorette, they realized that I was good at, um, storytelling. And that I think probably was the catalyst to ease me into my current position, which is advice giver bartender therapist and like storyteller really right um but yeah no it was it was really easy it was really easy for me the thing that was hard for me um was being intimate on camera because there are a lot of you it doesn't look this way when you watch the show but like you know you're with the girl and you're trying to be romantic and you're trying to say like you know cool things and uh but there's also like two sound guys and like you know a camera person and like a an a, a camera AD and you know like and a producer and it's people watching you it's a very weird thing which is not something when when you are being romantic that's usually a solitary thing well there's one more person there right uh, hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> some nights are lonely so uh but yeah so it's a weird thing of having people watch and then then it's a weird thing of like, how's this gonna look? Like, do am I a bad kisser? Like, you know, weird stuff like that. Where to put my hands? What's appropriate? You know,
0: because you also went from being audio only to now there's a visual that's going to be living on forever to be judged by millions. Yeah, was that playing in your head during all of those tapings?
1: Yeah, I think so. I was really, really timid uh, with like really saying what I thought in the beginning. Just because I knew I didn't want to be like edited in a certain way. And when you first go into reality TV, you know, a lot of the things that people say is, watch out, they can make you look however they want to make you look. And I have found over, you know, nine seasons of doing this, that's not really true. You can't make something out of nothing. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that usually people who say they got a bad edit, on reality TV just don't really know who they are. They usually are kind of an asshole. They just haven't come to terms with it yet. Uh, whereas I I kind of knew who I was. I was a relatively older person coming into that show. I was in my 30s at that point. I had a career. I was proud of the work I had done. Um, I knew what I wanted and what I didn't. I ha- had, like, a very good, strong... Um, uh, I, like self-belief in who I was and it was interesting when I when I go back and watch those shows or even when I watched it when it was airing originally I remember thinking like this person's just really immature they haven't they haven't lived enough life to like know who they are and so they're trying to be and pretend to be something that they think they should be but that just comes off as inauthentic and like the audience can smell that from a mile away and usually inauthenticity really just really just comes out in terms of the audience perspective perception of it as full of shit asshole, which is not really true, but that's how people perceive it. So that's one uh, weird piece of advice. Cause I get this a lot. Like people will come up to me at a bar or restaurant and be like, you know, my sister or my brother really wants to come on, go on that show or go on a show like that. Like what, what's your big piece of advice? And I'm always like, I really just know who you are and really be comfortable in your skin because that's, what's going to be exposed. Obviously, Will it be, like, exaggerated? Yeah, sure. It's a television show. But at the end of the day, it will be you. For me, I was comfortable with who I was, so I never really had a problem with with filming. It was, honestly, in the back of my head was, am I a weird-looking kisser? Because that, cause that, cause you don't really know how you look. I've never, like, filmed myself, never made a sex tape or something, like, know how, like, I kiss, you know? And I remember being like, am, am I, like, going to be, like, a sloppy, gross, weird kisser? Am I, like, sucking on a lip too long? Like, are my hands not in the right places? That's the anxiety that I had.
0: Yeah. Do you think the way that you carried yourself on that landed you the bartender role in Bachelor in Paradise because you were so... Like you said, you you gave out, like, good advice. So how did that transition you into that role?
1: Well, it's a little bit different than they weren't like, look at this guy, he needs to be the bartender. Uh, (laughs) It really came down to, so I don't, I assume it's still like this, but when you go on the show, if you get a rose before the rose ceremony, because you'll go on dates and, like, they'll give you roses, Right which means you're safe until, like, the next week. So I went on the first group date, um, and I got the first rose. I got the first rose of the season. Well, Jordan, he got the first impression rose, and then I got the second rose. Um, And then my buddy Derek, he went on the first one-on-one and got a rose. So it was us three dudes who were kind of clear until the next week. When you have a rose, (laughs) it's so ridiculous to say this out loud, but when you have a rose, they don't care about you. You're not a storyline anymore because you're fine until next week.
0: The camera people, like the yeah, producers. Production. Yeah, production,
1: they're like, you guys are fine. We're not focusing on you guys. So, and of course everyone else is like, you know, like I gotta get time with her and I gotta, like, I, I, she gotta, needs to know who I am. I gotta get this rose, at the rose ceremony. And we're like, ah, gonna, we're good. Like we have nothing to worry about. So I started doing this thing where uh, I started making drinks. I was like loved old fashioned, I still love old fashions, it's my, it's my drink. So I'd make drinks. And so I remember Derek came back from his one-on-one and had a rose and I was like, all right, I've been doing this for the last couple of days. No one's paying attention to us. So let's get drunk. So I started making drinks for him and then I made, started making drinks for Jordan. And it was just like our little, I was just bartending for like us three. And then it became a funny thing of if you got a rose, before rose ceremony wells had to make you a drink so then i start, it started becoming a thing where people wanted to get the rose so they could eventually get engaged to jojo but people were also saying i want to get this rose because i want to i want to get have wells get me drunk <laughs> so then it became this weird thing i think production was like what's happening over here like we're not filming it but like everyone wants wells to make him a drink and then of course we'd sit down and have real conversations because cameras weren't on us now were cameras on us, of course, because there's cameras everywhere, but we didn't know that. And so we would really relax and have like really meaningful conversations, not even about the girl we were dating, just about life and, you know, uh, religion and death and all that kind of stuff that you do when you get drunk with somebody. And I think that that was the thing that made them be like, okay, this might be a good, um, he, he might be good at this thing. Now, at the time, in Bachelor in Paradise, there was a bartender there. He was just an employee of um, of the resort. And his name is Jorge, and he's a wonderful guy.
0: Oh, he wasn't part of the show?
1: No, not at all. He just was a bartender there. Um, and so I went on the show as a as a cast member, BIP3. I came kind of late, so I met Jorge and everything. And the problem that he had, he's a wonderful man, he... Um, His English is, like, a little off, right? right? Like, it's not his first language. So it was hard for him. He was pretty good at communicating, but he wasn't, like, really good at, like, understanding what people were crying about and everything. And so the season after that, he, like, left the resort. Like, he was no longer working there. He started his own tourism company, which you can actually still do in Sayulita to this day. He's an awesome guy. And so when he left the show, I think they were like, this is a good opportunity for us to have someone that can like really talk to these people. And then the leg up that I have is that I was actually part of the show. Like I understand more so than really anybody like the trepidation and the fears that you have of like going on that experience, you know? Um, and so I think that's how it originally started.
0: Are you working a full shift?
1: Yeah, I work a lot. It's like one thing that people don't really realize. They, they think that someone else makes the drinks and then I'm just like a figure. This
0: episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. If you don't know, Rosetta Stone is the number one most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. That's right, you can now immerse yourself in the language you want to learn. So whether you're traveling abroad or you want to watch some foreign movies and TV shows, break down the communication barriers with Rosetta Stone. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, the list goes on and on. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Pick up the language naturally, first with the words, then phrases, then sentences. It's designed for long-term retention. Plus, there's the built-in true accent feature, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like having a personal trainer, but for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweights podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That is 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem now for 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. For what we believe in, at U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job; it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers. Your head. So, like every cast member comes down, they're like, "Oh, do you cuss on this?" oh yeah whatever you want okay uh they're they're always like holy shit you're actually making the drinks and I'm like yeah what did you think and they're like well we thought that like someone else made the drinks and you just like talk to us I'm <laughs> like no I have to like when I first got there I remember uh Ilan Gale one of my favorite uh producers in the world he no longer works for the show but he makes a million other shows it was like kind of like his brain child with me like we kind of created this whole thing and he was like i want you to be like the bartender on love boat like i've got this whole idea for you but i remember the first day before we started filming he brought me down to the bar he brought all the producers down and he goes okay wells is the bartender he's gonna wear this stupid shirt okay um and then he had like employees there and he's like okay wh- where does wells go get the ice and they're like Okay, and he's like, Hielo, where does he get the Hielo? And they're like, oh, so he's like, show me where you get the ice. And he's like, okay, where are the, the where are the glasses? And they show me where you get the glasses. And it's and it was like, where do you where do you wash the glass? Like, I had to like learn everything. So you're a real bartender there. Yeah, for sure. Like if I break a glass into ice, I have to burn all that ice and then go get more ice. They knock like, it out of your pay. Oh yeah, and like what's really, f- you, you'll you never see, it. it's so funny. Like the, the true greatness of the show never gets shown, but like I get so mad at them because, it's a no fault of their own, but I have a limited amount of glasses that I can keep back there because we've got sound people back there and camera guys back there and I'm just busy back there. And I'll, I'll make them a drink and they'll leave and then they'll come back and they won't have the cup. And I'll be like, where's the cup? And so you'll see me, every about two hours, I have to walk around the beach, pick up all the sandy cups, go wash them, I've done like nine seasons of this show and I'm like they're bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Effectively.
0: Are you filling them up with real alcohol? Oh yeah. If people want double shots, you're doing that.
1: So no, um, we, my stomach's right growling. Um, do you want a break? No, no, no. Mm -hmm. I found that, um, and I think production has found this too. Like sloppy cast members don't make good TV. Um, it's funny cause I'll watch a show back and I'll be like, I can tell they're drunk a little bit, but they, they're keeping it together. Or I just know them pretty well, but like, you'll never see like, fuck that bitch. She stole my man. Like that's, it's also network tech TV. So it's not, I'm sure ABC and Disney wouldn't love that, but it doesn't make for good TV. So us getting them super sloppy is not, uh, advantageous in telling a story. Now, do I agree with that? I do not. And I'll tell you why. If I'm going to get engaged to somebody, I want to know what they're like when they get wasted. I, that's an important thing to know, right? Like we were talking starting the show, like Wells is like, oh, yes, he, when he blacks out, he's a nice blackout drunk. That's an important thing to know, I think. Uh, so I've had that kind of like conversation of like, I think it's important for like these people. Like they're going to get engaged. They should know. But no, I don't get them too drunk we have kind of a um a system where it's like a couple drinks an hour i have like way too much liability on me i i have like a book where i like denote how many drinks people have had and then what ends up happening is like someone will get um sick for some reason and they'll be on antibiotics and it's like he can't serve them drinks because of you know you can't drink on antibiotics and so i have to like kind of keep track of that um and then there'll be times when people do get a little sloppy and I'll have to be like it's funny because for the most part people are appreciative when I do it but it's a hard thing to stomach when someone says hey I don't want to make you a drink you're too drunk you know so I've gotten good at like I'll like you never see it on TV but I like I'll be like hey come here I'll be like hey let's I'm going to make you a water let's just chill for a second. Cause I don't want you to like, I don't want you to say something stupid, you know? And, and I'll be like, don't worry about it. Like, no, there's no cameras here or whatever. Like just let's chill for a second. Most of the time they're like, okay, thank you. Thank you. Like you're getting a little loose. Um, but then sometimes and it's usually people that are assholes and I hate will be like, fuck you make me a drink and then i'm like okay buddy you're gonna double yeah. <laughs> speaking of getting sick
0: in mexico yeah you recently went and got montezuma's revenge oh i get it almost every time
1: i go i feel like
0: i had it back in january yeah awful did you ever get the shot no is there a shot yeah that fixes it yeah they came in they gave me a shot in my butt in, in my, my butt in your my, boot i was gonna say tush <laughs> and then i said butt and i combined them yeah so in my boot and it makes you
1: stop throwing up like immediately uh, when I, I've had it, I've had it coming out of both ends. Same. For sure. <laughs> uh, most of the time in Mexico, though, I mean, this is maybe too much information, but well, Sarah came and visited me this year and we were so good. She was there for a while. She was there for like two weeks. We were so good. And then right before um, we wrapped, we went like into town and we both got it real bad.
0: Oh, sharing a bathroom?
1: No, luckily, I had two bathrooms. Thank God. Thank God for that. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if she would have visited me <laughs> if I didn't have two bathrooms. But yeah, no, it sucks. But it's also like, it's an inevitability in Mexico. Yeah. So.
0: What would you say is the most popular drink on Bachelor in Paradise?
1: Um, I mean, probably tequila shots mm-hmm. is is the one that like, anytime anything good happens, Tequila shots around, and if anything bad happens. Tequila shots, Pour one out for so and so got kicked off the show, um, and then I mean, margaritas are are obviously a big one, uh, and the, I mean, I think that tequila pineapple is one that like is just stands the test of time. Every season, there's like a weird drink that like people start like globbing onto. Um, and then I make a drink called the Jorge special, which is what Jorge's, the original bartender's special drink was, which is fire. And it's really easy to make. It's vodka, soda, splash of Sprite or like lime Fanta, whatever they got there. And then you cut up, uh, some cucumbers and put that in there and then garnish with a little bit of, um, lime. It's so refreshing and it's so hot there. You know, it's. It's 100 degrees. It's also monsoon season, so it's, like, really muggy. And so that drink's, like, really, really refreshing. Whereas, like, drinking margaritas all day gets a little bit of that, that, like, you know, that that feeling right there in the back of your jaw. Uh, so that one, I'll make it for everybody. And then by the end of it, everyone's drinking that drink.
0: Right. Yeah. The people need your own alcohol. What do you mean? We need the Wells
1: brand of liquor. Yeah, I know. I've told my manager that a million times. Like the fact that we haven't—that—that's where we're sleeping. I know. No kidding. Well, and every year too, we did. It wasn't this year, and it might not have been last year. It might have been two two seasons ago or three seasons ago. We were sponsored by Heineken. Oh, great! And I was like, nothing says Mexico like a German beer. Like, why? Why isn't Corona? sponsoring this like this makes no sense to me like why don't we have you know uh george clooney's tequila company like would you like some of george clooney's tequila like i can i can make the ad in my sleep um but i'm not in part of the ad department at abc so <laughs> did you have to learn to make any drinks yeah I, was a, I mean i was a waiter and i was a bartender in college and then out of college because I was moonlighting at a radio station um and still waiting tables to like make ends meet um but then I worked as a radio host for like 10 years and stopped making drinks so when I went back when I started doing the the job I I went and just I went online and like did like online or whatever and I did one season of it and I was like I'm not quite where I think I need to be so I actually did um a like bartender class here in LA. It was when I was like still secretly dating Sarah, I think. Um, and they, there's a place like on Colfax that like by the police department that I went to. And yeah, I went and did the, it's funny. Cause I had, I did the entire class, at, but bef- before the, you have the, you have like a graduation day where you like have to like make all the drinks for like the, the main boss. And I had to leave to go film, like, a day beforehand. So I never got to graduate. But if you find them online, they, like, promote me. They're like, Wells Adams had to go do this show and, like, learned all the drinks from us. And I was like, I never got this diploma. I should get that, like, an honorary doctorate, you know?
0: (laughs) It's really funny. Uh, What do you think that you learned from The Bachelor that you brought into your own marriage?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um... I've gotten very good at this. Um, So as the bartender, I have to, I'm really a therapist, right? So everyone just comes to me with their problems. And sometimes you just need to figure out what people really want from someone listening to their problems. Sometimes they want you to come up with um, solutions to said problem. And sometimes they just want you to be angry with them. And I have found that Nine times out of 10, my wife, when she comes to me with problems, she does not want solutions. She just wants me to be pissed off with her. And so, and that's really a hard thing for, I think, for guys to do because guys are very pragmatic. And it's like, okay, well, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Um, And and women are, you know, more emotional beings, I think, than guys. I think they're just more emotionally evolved. And so, I've learned to be like, yeah, fuck. Sandra, why well, I can't believe that she tweeted that about you. We should do something about it, you know. Like she's like, well, we don't want to do anything about it. Yeah. Well, not not do anything. I mean, we have to tweet back or something. I don't know or like unfollow her. Or what I don't. We got to do something. And she's like, yeah, you're right. And sometimes sometimes you just need to be angry with the person. And that's really just kind of like, I think for at least for my wife, it's it's more of like when I'm when I do that it's like I'm hearing to to her she's like he hears me he hears what I'm upset about really um so yeah maybe it's it's more like instead of like giving solutions it's listening right do you
0: think your level-headedness plays a factor into why people ask you to officiate their wedding
1: um I mean, I've only officiated one wedding. Oh, I thought you did two. No, it was uh, just Joe and Serena's. But I am open for business. Would uh, you do anyone that you're not friends with? Yeah, I'd probably charge them though, because that should be your business. I and you bartend after. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, that's funny though. Yeah, we we when I did Joe and Serena's just, like, a month ago, I was like, this is my new side hustle. Especially, like, while SAG's still on strike, like, I can't get any new jobs anyway, so, like, I'm just gonna go officiate weddings. Um, I think the reason why Joe and Serena asked me to officiate their wedding was because for their season, there was no host. I was really the host of that entire season. We had, like, celebrity guest hosts that came in, but for the most part, I was doing all the rose ceremonies, and then I was the host at the end. And so I think for them, it was a full circle moment of... You know, I was, the, I was the bartender with Joe when he came on the first season. I gave him a lot of advice. We became really close. He came back a couple seasons later. I continued to give him and his now wife a lot of advice. Um, it would have been weird to have, like, Jesse or Chris um, officiate that because they weren't the hosts when that happened, you know? Um, and also, I th- knowing Joe and knowing Serena, they wanted it to be, like, a really fun, funny wedding. And of course, like I lean towards the comedy side of things. So they were like, I think we're in good hands with Wells doing it. But I had a really fun time doing it. Like it was a, a beautiful ceremony. Uh, not not for anything I did, but like just what they put together. And then, yeah, I was, I'm not nervous about like, obviously like I have no problem speaking <laughs> microphones and stuff uh, or being on TV. Uh, so I wasn't nervous about doing that. At all. And it's a weird thing of like when you first do a wedding and they find everyone finds out this is your first time, they're like, are you nervous? Yeah. Which is a dick thing to say to somebody because then you're like, because if they are nervous, they're going to be like, fuck, everyone knows that I'm nervous, you know, whatever. And i was like, no, I'm not nervous. This is going to be fun. Like I've got, I've got a book that I'm reading out of, you know? Like how can I really screw this up? Um, and then I was up there, you know, at the altar. Joe walks down um, and I flashback to my wedding, seeing my wife turn the corner and come down and start, I started crying at my wedding, not at chose. Um, and I was, I was transported back to that moment of like, oh, this was the most important day of my life. I remember that. I remember like the effect it had on me seeing her dad walk, walk her down the aisle, looking around at all the people who love me and support me and like just showering me with love. And I was like, oh no, this is the most important day of their life. I don't want to screw this up. And that's when I got like the flop sweat, the cold sweat being like, Oh no. And that's when I got a little nervous, but then I opened with like a joke and then we were good.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Can we talk about your wedding? Sure. So mine just happened about
1: a month ago. Yeah.
0: Were you nervous about anything on your wedding day?
1: I was nervous about some guests that were coming because I know that their liabilities, uh, which they turned out to be, but I think that's always fun when you got some wild cards in there. Um, the things that I was worried about was, I think I wanted. I am a softy. I get emotional very easily, um, and I knew that like my vows were. They were funny, but then they were like really, really touching, and I, <laughs> and I knew I was gonna like. I, I was worried about getting through my vows.
0: Did you read them in front of everybody?
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And I'm also so competitive. I was like, mine need to be better than Sarah's. Right. So, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> like I need everyone to know that like I'm better at this than she is. Uh, <laughs> so I was nervous about that. Um, and then we really didn't have anyone that was like emceeing our wedding or kind of like in charge. Cause we were that, that thing for everyone. So we had kind of, well, it, me mainly, but we, we had written kind of like a long kind of script. uh, you know, you have, to, you have to do a big speech at the rehearsal dinner, thank everybody. You got to do kind of a big speech at the welcome party and everything, you know, thank you so much for coming in, da-da-da-da-da, and then you have your vows, which are important, and then, you know, after, like, before you do the first dance or whatever it is, you kind of need to speak to everybody, um, and I had written kind of this, this long monologue for both Sarah and I, and it was, like, a lot, lot of yuck-yucks and, you know, funny bits and stuff, and so I was a little nervous about Making sure that we were able to pull that off really well, which we did a great job. It was fine, but that's that's what I was kind of nervous about. And yeah, other than that, I was I was I was just excited to do it. Like it was a beautiful place. Everyone was there. Um, oh, I was nervous about the price tag. That's something I was very nervous about. Were there any crazy add ons afterwards? On yes, of course. I, I don't even like whatever our budget was. <laughs> Mindy Weiss laughed at us and then was just like we're gonna we're gonna really have a great wedding guys <laughs>
0: We're like, okay it's fine. Our wedding day was the day of the hurricane and the earthquake so we had to get tents and yeah. then with, when you get tents you have to get a gutter so that the rain doesn't just land on the dance yeah. floor and then you have to get a chandelier because now it's dark under there mm-hmm. and it just kept adding on and on
1: and on and on. Did it even still rain though? Yeah, thank
0: God. Kind yeah. of. It, there is one really cool moment of us walking down from the house, mm-hmm. and we're being covered by an umbrella, and like we look like like it's our day. Yeah. And so I'm very thankful for that photo. And I was like, I wanted one photo that was like a, a memory of the day, and that was it for me. So I was, I was happy that everything worked out beautifully anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's a stressful day for sure. Not as much for the group. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that? I, the only thing was, I was hungover, <laughs> so I was just like, "I'm puffy," and that, that, that was my thought—the vanity in me. Uh, and it was funny; <clears throat> she like you can see, like my ring is goes on and off pretty easily. She could not get this thing on my hand, and I remember being like, "Well, oh, I'm puffy today." That was something that I was like nervous about.
0: Damn it, Wells! What?
1: Yeah, and of course I was in like this like super tailored suit where I was like oh, I gotta suck it in. Could you fit in it today? Yeah, I. So here's the thing, I have. I have a really nice tux and a really nice suit, which is my wedding suit. That's it. I and I've repurposed them over and over again. I'm like I think it's bonkers when people are like I gotta go buy a new suit. I'm like no, I have. One, this is my advice to everyone listen, listening. You only need one really good suit. You can just change the shoes and shit, you know? Yeah. And, and it, you know, mine's Gucci. So, like, anytime anyone's like, is that the same suit? Yeah, motherfucker, it's Gucci, though. Well, what am I going to wear the, you know, the men's warehouse one to this? No, thank you. Did Sarah go with you to the suit fitting? No, I didn't let her see it uh, because I was like, I can't see what your dress looks like. You don't get to see what my suit looks like. But uh, I remember I sent it to uh, her team, you know, her fashion team being like, just so you know, this is what it looks like. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a good suit. Do you ever want to explore
0: other reality shows like Dancing with the Stars or Special Forces?
1: Um, no. I mean <laughs> – I was on Dancing with the Stars, but I was only on it for one dance with Joe, like, a couple years ago, and I hated it. Like, I am... The dancing aspect? Like, here's the thing. I think I would do Dancing with the Stars, but I would be like, okay, let me know six months in advance, because I'm going to go take (laughs) dancing classes, I'm going to get really good at this, and then I'll do it. Episode one's going to be insane for me. I'm the most competitive person. Like, I was an athlete growing up. I played, like, uh, I played... Sports in college, like, me being bad at something, especially on a grand stage like that, would absolutely kill me. Do you play pickleball? Yes. You good? I am pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I played, do you want to know, I played in a, I played in a lot of golf pro-ams. Uh, I'm a pretty good golfer, but I played in this one in Dallas uh, with the Champions Tour, so it's like, all, all the old PGA players now play in this thing, called the Champions Tour, <clears throat> and... Pickleball so huge that they had a pickleball tournament coinciding with the, the golf tournament. And so they hit me up and they were like, hey, um, would you be interested in playing this pickleball tournament? We're selling tickets to it. We're going to have stands and everything. And, um, you know, some uh, professional tennis players are going to be there playing it. And I was like, well, I'm not a professional tennis player, but I would love to go. I would, hell yeah, I'll go do that. So it was me and this hockey hockey player who's a goalie. Uh, versus Marty Fish, who I don't know if you know who that is, but he used to be the Davis Cup captain. He is one of the best American tennis players we've ever had. And John Isner, who is, I shit you not, 6'10 or 6'11, professional tennis player, one of the best tennis players America's ever produced. How do you get it around him on the pickleball court? You don't! You can't. I I was like, we're playing them? Like, split us up. Like, we're... This is ridiculous, and I played well, and I got absolutely hosed. So, I don't know, it's a weird sojourn into you asked about pickleball.
0: Yeah, um, so you have another show, yeah. Best in Doe. Yeah. How is filming that versus doing Bachelor in Paradise? So much easier. Because you're on a closed
1: set. Yeah, and it was just so. So here's the thing: like Best in Doe, I loved it. We made 10 episodes in 10 days. Like I, that's insane to me and so and can you explain to people who may not be familiar what is it so best in dough is it's it's unfortunate because hulu pulled it recently hopefully it's going to come back but it was a cooking competition show where um it was it was just pizza makers right so i was the host of it and i was also a judge and then we had another judge um by the name of daniele Uditti who is um The owner, head chef, and proprietor of Pizzano, which is a kind of a famous chain here in Los Angeles, and it's going. I think they've got one in Dallas coming up soon, and it's kind of going everywhere. Uh, He's from Italy, like he's the best. Um, And then we had like a rotating cast of um, of celebrity judges that came in, and effectively every week we would have um, a, a theme. So like one one week we had nonas or grandmas from the old country. And they would come in and make old style pizza. Um, one week we had bar- like barbecue pit masters come in and make barbecue pizza. One week we had you know mothers and daughters and they'd come in and make their pizza. One week we had you know um, college kids who you know make pizza in their dorm room and whatever and they come and make pizza. And there's two cooks. It's kind of similar to a lot of cooking shows where like, I'll, we did this thing called the out of the box challenge where I'd come in and be like, guess what whatever you think you're going to do, you're not doing it now. And like give them a wild card, like weird cook and like make them do it, you know, like deconstructed pizza or dessert pizza or something like a viral TikTok sensation cooking challenge pizza. Um, and then of course, then the next round would be a traditional, just like, let's make some pizzas and then we would judge it. And then if you were the winner, you want a bunch of money and you know, it was so much fun to make. I just got to eat pizza every single day. I did. I gain a lot of weight in 10 days. Yes, I did. A lot of carbs were going into this body. Um, but it was so much fun to do. It was, it was truly wonderful too. Cause Danielle Daniele, who's like not tarnished by Hollywood yet would uh, At the end of each week, he would make pizzas for the entire set for everybody. We'd have a pizza party. It was the most fun I've ever had on set. Sorry, Bachelor in Paradise, but it was just like the best. And also it's like, for a show like that, it's, okay, walk in, hit your mark. There's a teleprompter. All right, when you get to that, turn to this. There's your mark. There's camera two. Talk to them. Okay, turn around. We didn't get it right. Do it again. You know, like, it's so easy. That stuff's so easy to me. Very cut and dry. Whereas Bachelor in Paradise is okay. Go down there, figure it out. I don't know.
0: Deal with people's feelings. Yeah, Help they're
1: gonna find love. And, and of course, there will there will be like a little bit of understanding or directive. Like, hey, so and so is really sad, and they really value your opinion. We're gonna send them over to you. Cheer them up. You know, like try to make them feel better, because that happens a lot. Like, um, like we were talking about Joe. Joe wanted to leave the show, the season that he got engaged on. He wanted to leave the show, like, on the third, ep- third day, third episode, whatever. Um, and it was a lot of me being like, please don't leave. And it wasn't – it was selfishly. I was like, don't leave because I actually like talking to you. <laughs> You're a normal human being. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, in that scenario, I, it's just me just trying to be helpful to them, you know? And the days are a lot longer. You know, I'll go and film. A lot of times, it'll be like, "All right, we need your call is three p.m., and then I'll wrap at midnight." Or my call is at ten, and my wrap is four a.m. Like it's crazy long hours. And then I'll watch it back and be like, "I'm not even on the show." Like I was there that entire time, cleaning glasses. <laughs> giving people advice like like dabbing tears away from eyes and i'm not even on the show man so but that's but it's it's a totally different beast you know and i become super um i'm like ingrained in the show which is kind of cool like i have you know whenever you're making any type of television show or movie it's all about stakes and you need to know what the stakes are for the audience to actually give a shit it's funny for me because I'm a perfect like uh, I'm a like I'm the perfect audience barometer because I have I have stakes in these people's lives now like I'm like oh no so and so is heartbroken because the so and so is on a date like I feel so bad like I how do we fix this whatever and so it's a good barometer of like what's going to be a really good episode or what's going to be a really good relationship to follow and stuff. Uh, but it's fun that I'm like, I'm like ingrained in the creation of that show. And like, I'm really a part of it, even though like I'm not going on dates and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have feelings towards it now in, in terms of like a pizza show, I like the cast, but like the stakes for me aren't very high, you know, it's you're the winner. (laughs) All right. Next week on best and Doe. Yeah. So, it's di- it's completely different. But
0: does a show like that reach out to you because of your hosting capabilities?
1: What what's one of the re- things that's really frustrating about w- what I've done to my career is I was a host. Like I was a radio host, which is if a ra- being a radio host is much harder than being a television host. Sorry to every television host out there, but I've done both. <laughs> radio host, there is no like All right, let's do a pickup. We got to get something right. Like when the red light goes on, like you got to do it. You got to hit it. You got to, you know, um, make sure you're saying every commercial the correct way and teasing the next song and like hitting the post and the song and all that stuff. There's a TV. You can do it all over again, even on like a show like dancing with the stars. That's that's, they can redo that kind of stuff, even though it's like kind of live, you know, pseudo live. So, What's frustrating for me is, is that like people are like, oh, my God, you could, you're a host. it's like I was a host for 12, 14 years doing three different radio shows. This bartender thing is like not really what I am, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a little, little bit of a, a struggle of like re-explaining my career to, to all the studios out there.
0: In a perfect world, what would be the next opportunity for you that you'd be so stoked to be part of?
1: Uh, I'd like to do a game show. I would love to do a game show because that will, would lend to my sensibilities of like comedy first. And then like, you know, uh, and then also create the creation of the show. Um, I would like to do another dating show. Uh, I like my role on paradise a lot. I, I, the problem is, is that, you know, a couple of years ago, I really was the host of that show. And so I really wanted to be the host of that show. But when you become the host then all of a sudden being the bartender. I don't know if you could do both. I always said, like, let me do both. But you need there's two kind of is the guy that greets everybody and then the guy that's like, tell me your problems. All right. What's going on? You know, so it'd be hard to do both. But I, w- I would like to host um, a reality show that would be like in the dating realm. But I would still always love to do Bachelor in Paradise just because I, I like being a part of the, the creation of that show and being, like, woven into the fabric of, of everyone's story, you know? Like, case in point, like, I just married Joe and Serena because I was kind of woven into their love story, you know? Or Dean and Kaylin I just went to their wedding. I was there when they were on the beach fighting and breaking up and getting back together and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like, Pie in the Sky... Eventually, and I don't know, it might be dying soon, but I always wanted to, to have my own, like, talk show, like, late show kind of a thing. And I would love to do that. And I also like to write a lot, too. So I like to do, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff as well. Right. Yeah.
0: It's almost like your podcast, though, because you are the host. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, but I don't know how many people were actually listening to that in comparison to, like, you know, a network TV show. Right. But... Yeah, you're right.
0: Would you say it's easier for you to be the bartender or the cast member on the
1: show? Ooh. Because those are two different beats. Totally different things. That's a good question. The bartender's easier for me just because I know that, like, I can't get myself into really any trouble, you know? Um, When I was a cast member on the show... I dated three girls in like five days. I was like, it was my, I think it was my audition to be the bachelor, see how he can handle it. I didn't handle it very well because I was really nervous about hurting people's feelings. Cause you know, when you do it, like you got to choose somebody or choose nobody or whatever. Um, and I remember just being like, I don't, I'm not the guy that like is fine with hurting people's feelings. So I was, I, I had a really hard time with that. Um, which is why I wasn't the bachelor, I think. Uh, whereas on Paradise as the bartender, I really am never there to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm there to like kind of build people up or make people feel better uh, or warn them, like, you might look bad. Let's stop doing that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's much easier to be the bartender.
0: That's so cool you become the voice of reason.
1: Yeah, but then but then put me in an interview chair and I'll make fun of you guys, for sure <laughs> behind your back. I'm a real dick. absolutely. Well, it's, it's something that I tell to your face, hundred percent. Like I like I don't even know if it'll air, but like there's a cast member named Braden of whom I I like a whole lot, but he wears like kind of like wacky shit, right? He's got like rubber ducky earrings and uh, like a stupid hat, and he's wearing a scarf. We're in Mexico, don't need a scarf. You look like an idiot, you know. What the, were you like, a, like a nineteen forties like test pilot, and you crashed here, and you still have the scarf on? Like, what's going on? And so I would make, I would like do, try out all my bits on them, making fun of them, and then be like, hey, put me in an interview chair, let me let me do some of this stuff. So they know I'm doing it, but um, yeah, for the most part, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings.
0: Is the intro of the show everyone's own creativity?
1: Yes, for sure. And so I did did a like a thing today. (laughs) Great video. And it was it was a little it was a little harsh. But like, here's the other thing: I've seen the first episode. Like, I know who looks good and looks bad. So I'm not gonna be mean to people who uh, look bad. I'm not gonna pile on or whatnot. Um, But yeah, it's 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 like whatever their shtick is, you know. So like, there's a girl named Greer who like loves tea. She's about big on tea time. Which is so stupid and so funny. And so, of course, she's drinking tea. But it's also, like, um, double meaning because she's, like, sipping the tea. Like, you know, whatever. So, it's it's a good one. It's also very obvious, you know. So, I actually liked hers. Um, but then the ones that were, like, people, people are, like, to just jump around. Like, you didn't even do anything. You just jumped. What was that? Uh, so, yeah, it's a little bit of some people have a – thing like there's a girl named Cat who like does cat faces and so she, we put like cat ears on her so that was like her thing. Um for me I've done so many seasons that we've run out of things I can do. Um like this year was like what are we what are we going to do? Uh So yeah, it's it you definitely get to choose like your own story there.
0: You got to learn some of those bartender tricks.
1: So it's funny when I went to go do that bartender school over there on Colfax. Um, I, <laughs> I went there for that. Like, I was like, I'm going to be Tom Q, Tom Cruise in cocktail. Like, <laughs> I can, here we go, cocktails and dreams, here we go. And I so I get there the first day, the the teacher goes, all right, I'm going to teach you guys how to be bartenders. I'm not going to teach you any of that bullshit throwing things around. I was like, of course. No! That's the only reason why I'm here, dude. It. <laughs> <laughs> but I've done a bunch of those, I think those in the early seasons where I like I spun my shaker and you know, whatever. Then we've done the silly ones. Um, my favorite one to this day still is, uh, Chris Harrison, uh, hitting a ball, like a golf shot out of the sand and it landing in my cup and it splashes all over me. And why I love it so much is because it was the hardest thing to do. It took us like the better half of a day because you had to have like a sound guy, or like an AD or whatever, like throwing a golf ball at me and trying to hit it in the cup. And so like, and I've got to hold the cup because I've got to like, I've got to hold the cup. So I got, I got to lift it up and go, eh, eh, you know, Meh, whatever. Uh, so I've got to hold the cup. And I swear to God, there's so many times where he just hit my hand, like hit my knuckle. and I was like, my knuckles like sw- if you look at it like, you can see my hands like swollen and like th- like four times we break the cup and we're like we can't do that and so it took forever to do and it turned out like the best one we've ever done yeah. but yeah those those intro things are fun yeah to wrap it up yeah. can you give us any sneak peeks about anything in the new season um we have the most bachelorettes come to paradise that we've ever had on any season that's very interesting Having leads in Paradise is so funny to me because they've gone from a world where they are the star to a world where you are not the star (laughs) at all. Uh, There's 12 kind pseudo stars. Um, I love that reality check. Um, But it's also good because they they all they all deserve to find love. Um, We have a wedding. An actual wedding on this season, which I have been there basically from the beginning, and I think I've only been to two. So this will be my third. That's exciting. Are you officiating? No. Ooh. Jesse is. I know. Well, he's the host. He's got it. I, I'm the ring bearer. And there, there you go. There's a sneak pre- preview. I'm the ring bearer. <laughs> and it's so funny. Jesse, I love Jesse. He's a like su- super sweet guy. But he's a big football player. Like, that's just what he is. The man sweats like he's still like in Gainesville doing two-a-days. Like, it's just pouring out of him. And i they're going to have to somehow edit around it. But watching him marry these people is just <laughs> waterfall down his face. And, I, and we were all just sitting there like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> getting interrogated or something. Uh, yeah, the the, wed- the weddings they're they'll I'm sure they'll edit it out, you know, but it's so good, so funny. And then what else? Um we have a serious medical emergency that happens this year that is so freaking funny. And I shouldn't make fun of people, but um yeah, we have a girl who is unable to poop for over 10 days. IBS well, no. If she had IBS, then I think she would be pooping. Well, oh. She is constipated. Like she hasn't she hasn't taken a crap in over ten days, and the doctor has to come and be like, "Yo, is that an enema?" So we give her everything. Ah! <laughs> Every th- every th- we throw the sink at her trying to get her this poor girl to poop.
0: Wow, you're a bartender and a doctor.
1: No, no, no. There's a doctor that comes in there. <laughs> the I'm not doc- doing it. And the doctor does this amazing thing. And so I'm not spoiling anything because it's in the teaser, but he, he comes in and he goes, You have a poop baby inside your body. And if you don't deliver the poop baby by sunrise tomorrow, you have to leave paradise. Which I think is the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life, because I've never heard a doctor denotes time by sun like he's not like if your eczema doesn't clear up by sundown tomorrow <laughs> take this medic no one's ever said that but he goes he goes if you don't have this poop baby by sunrise tomorrow <laughs> what kind of doctor is this guy my favorite thing that's ever happened on the show I think is, is seeing a doctor literally say those words um, so yeah there's a lot of good stuff it's a good season I've seen the first episode
0: golden bachelor
1: yeah have you seen that yet no it's funny i got sent a screener for it and i didn't watch it and the reason why i didn't is because i'm going to we're going to like an event tonight to watch both premieres um i have talked to a lot of producers who are very excited about it and i think it'll be great and because I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, I I need it, I need it to be great. And I'll tell you why I need it to be great. Because I need them to have a golden bachelorette. So then they have to have a golden bachelor in paradise. Because there's nothing I want more than a bunch of just old, f- sweaty. What I can only assume are Republican <laughs> <laughs> coming to my bar, and just like. Saying the weirdest stuff. I just imagine it. it's going to be like a lot of like, have you heard about Flat Earth? Like, well, every time you go home to like for Thanksgiving, you talk to some weird uncle and they're like, well, let me tell you about QAnon. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. this is going to be weird. But I want that so badly to be behind the bar and be like, all right, so tell me about Q. What's going on? <laughs> really? Huh? Wow. JFK's coming back. Interesting. This is good. <laughs> I want this so bad for me. Yeah. Not for money or fame, but for me. <laughs> Because I want to be the in interview chair and be like, guys, learn a lot about QAnon. JFK's coming back, all right? Trump is the president, apparently. Biden's a skinwalker. It's a lot of good stuff I'm learning.
0: <laughs>
1: it's really funny.
0: Cool. Well, Wells, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank Bye. you so much. Bachelor in Paradise comes out tonight. Yep.
1: Well, uh, Can you link your stuff? All your socials? Uh, it's all at Wells Adams um, on Instagram, TikTok x we calling it x whatever yeah twitter, i guess we're calling it x twitter was and um yeah that's it
0: awesome thanks so much for being here thank you for having me
1: lightweights out thank you yeah that was-